This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholic. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. good to be home. It was good to be with Tim. Can you guys hear me? Good. All right. In the book of Timothy, this is not the message. This is kind of like an add-on to my message. (laughs) Timothy tells us to honor the elders that serve well. Honor the elder that serves well. And Tim is serving you guys well. And I hope that you honor him you pray for him, and you guys submit to his leadership because he's shepherding you guys in the right way. And you guys are a wonderful group of people. Um, I know some of you guys haven't met. The morning crowd was awesome. So it's so good to be here with you guys, and I hope to make some connections with you guys as well before I leave. So if you would, the book of James. It's in the New Testament. We're going to only find ourselves sitting in chapter, or chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 this morning. So we're going to bite off a lot from a little spot. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect and that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Mike Tyson, the heavyweight champion, about to fight Evander Holyfield's making his way to the ring. And a reporter asked, what do you think about Holyfield's fighting style? And in that moment, that quick wit kicks in. He said, everybody's got a plan till they get punched in the face. But what he said is so true. How many of us this morning have developed our own plans in a certain situation, only to have our plans completely wiped out? And in that moment, we realize my plans weren't as good as I thought they were. We can all testify to a situation like that. Imagine engineers, if they built a bridge and didn't test it, to see that if cars could make it from one end to the other. They take time in the office and develop the structure and what needs to be in place here and what would benefit the bridge if we added something here so when cars go across it, the bridge doesn't buckle. Right, so we all know what Tyson's talking about. Having preconceived plans that we think that are phenomenal and then all of a sudden adversity hits us square in the face, and our plans are shattered. Well, see, James is talking to a group of people that are in that kind of situation. They're in adversity. They're in trial. They're suffering poverty, persecution. The world has been completely flipped upside down in a moment's notice. They've been punched in the face. C.S. Lewis, the famous author and Christian thinker, lost his wife. And he talks about the tragedy of such a, 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 a difficult situation in a moment's notice to, to have someone that you adore so much to be just taken from you, to be gone. 
And he realized in that moment that his, his house, his temple, was a house of cards. It was quickly blown over. And he said, it wasn't that God needed to find out what I was made of. God already knew what I was made of. I needed to find out what I was made of. And in that moment, he found out where he stood, his faith, where, where it actually was. Because a lot of us in this room this morning, we have a very high view of our faith. We think at times we're so mature and we're doing such a good time and then all of a sudden adversity comes and boom, we're completely rattled by the situation. We fall into sinful tendencies. We're calling everybody on the phone to barf up our problems. I know, I've done it. But you know what I'm talking about. In that moment, we don't go, okay, God, what is it that you're teaching me? I don't start submitting to the scriptures. I start making phone calls. And then when I get off the phone with that person, I call and barf on that person. And then I'm walking around anxious and worried and rattled, but all of a sudden I, I need to bring myself back and go, I have the sure promises of God in Christ Jesus that I need to get under. I need to seek God through prayer. Do you guys understand where we're going this morning? Trials. Suffering. Getting under it. Enduring it and coming out the other end mature. If you would, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this morning, God. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your word. God, I thank you that you've spoken to us. That, God, that you haven't hid yourself away somewhere. That, God, we know your heart and we know your will. God, I pray as an expositor this morning that you would just help me to say those things that you've called me to say. And that, God, that you would penetrate our hearts this morning. That, God, that we would leave this place encouraged and not discouraged. And that, God, we would rejoice in our trials. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. James, let's do a little background work here. The book of James is written to a group of Jewish people that have suffered hardship, poverty, persecution. They've been tossed out of the land, and they're dispersed. And in that situation, when you're exiled, you usually don't have a lot of goods, you don't have property, you're in a dire situation. These people are in that situation. They're without property, they're being ridiculed for their faith, they're being mistreated by wealthy landowners, and they're suffering persecution. So James isn't writing a group to a group of people that are in, in, a, in a country club somewhere, sipping lemonade with an easy situation. James is writing to a group of people that are suffering. And it, what James is going to tell us this morning is going to hit us in the face. Because we don't like suffering. And he's going to tell them to rejoice. He's going to talk them, to them about getting wisdom. He's going to talk to them about prayer. He's going to talk to them about abstaining from worldliness. He's going to talk to them about genuine faith. So that's the theme and the content of the book of James. He's dealing with the people that are afflicted, who are suffering, and he's going to speak boldly in their situation. And so you and I this morning, church, we are no different than these people. Many people in this room have difficult situations, hardship, loss, suffering, whether it's external, whether it's internal, we all can relate. And so James is going to say some hard things, but some encouraging things in the moment as well, too. So please stick with me on this ride, and I think we'll be encouraged as we come out the other end.
First note, do not preach in a sweater. (laughs) So when you meet trials of various kinds. So right out the gate, James hits us right in the face. When you meet trials of various kinds. When, the word when, carries the connotation, it's inevitable. It's going to happen to you. There's no getting around it. There's no going out the side door. There's no way of getting out the backyard over the fence to get away from it. It's going to hit you and I square in the face. But see, I love that about James. James isn't giving us a a fairy tale view of Christianity. He's pulled us not into a fantasy land where everything's going to be good and we're never going to suffer. He pulled us right into reality. You're going to suffer when it comes. It's inevitable. It's going to happen to you and it's going to happen to me. And he says, when you encounter, that word encounter means that when you fall in, when you fall in. Because I know from, from my own experience, I don't want to speak for you, I'm going to speak for me, is when I find myself in a difficult situation, the first thing I ask myself, did I get myself in this? Am I the obnoxious one? Is it me? I tell my beautiful bride, Is it me or is it you? (laughs) But when I find myself in a situation, the first thing I go, is it me? Did I do something that's caused this? When I X that off, I realize that trials are just an inevitable part of life in a fallen world. And and they happen like that. Because if we could foresee trouble, if I could foresee the transmission in my car dropping out, I would probably take the steps to fix it. If I could see that my wife was going to suffer an illness down the road, I would probably do some preparation. But James says that trials come on us like that. Without any expectation, we find ourselves in a situation that we didn't expect. I'm sure some of you in here have been to the doctor. You feel great. You look great. The doctor leaves and comes back with your prognosis and something didn't look right. In a moment, your world just changed. You didn't expect it. You couldn't foresee it. In that second, your life changed. You went from paradise to ease to comfort to suffering to hardship into a place that you've never been before and you don't know how to respond. It just happened. And so James, again, takes us into a world of reality. Christianity is rooted in reality. It's not a fantasy. It doesn't promise a life of ease and comfort. It says it's our, our walk in a fallen world is hard. It's suffering. It's not going to be easy. But see, we're, we're blown away at times. When we find ourselves in a situation, we immediately start going right to the Psalms. God, where are you? The darkness is my closest friend. You're far away. We were just singing faithfulness, but now I got a phone call by the time I hit town square. You're so unfaithful. Like that, our whole world just got flipped upside down. But if we look at the scriptures, we have several examples. The Old Testament saints. Abraham has his prized possession, Isaac. 
He's waited for so long for Isaac. What does God do? Take the boy, go up to the mountain. Joseph, the spoiled rich kid, his dad's favorite, telling on his brothers. He's got the coat that tells him how great he is. In a moment, he's in a pit. He's sold to slavery. He's in a jail. No one knows where he's at. Daniel, tossed in a lion's den. Jacob, abused by Laban. All of these situations, in a moment, things flipped and changed. Jesus, in the New Testament, says that you're going to have troubles in this world. They hated me, they're going to hate you. They persecuted me, they're going to persecute you too. We have promises of suffering. Promises that we're going to suffer. Modern saints, current saints, China, church is being persecuted. People are being locked up. People are dying. Throughout church history, we've seen people standing for righteousness and suffering for it. Example after example after example. Jesus, the perfect example, was abandoned by his friends on the night that he was going to be crucified, was hated and opposed, suffered the wrath of God on the cross. He knows what it means to suffer and to be without sin. And so, church, we have so many examples that our life in this world will be, will be confronted with trials. There's no way around it. It's going to happen. James says various trials. It would be easy if we could just say, well, James is talking about persecution and poverty. But when he says various trials, he's saying outward trials, inward trials, depression, anxiety, worry, temptations from the devil, poverty, persecution, hatred, being mistreated by somebody else that you love, a family member, broken marriages, rebellious kids. All of it, James. That's what James is saying. All of this is various trials that you and I are never going to be able to get away from. It's reality. But I'm not trying to discourage you. We're going to get to a place of encouragement, so hang in there with me. So we become discouraged way too early, church. When we're hit in the gut, as Tyson said, when we're punched with adversity, we're so quick to grab our things and run. We love comfort. Adversity, hardship, it goes against the way that we're designed. Especially in the West, we're told to what? Pursue life, liberty, and happiness. Trials cut in on that pursuit. Trials cut in on that happiness. And so we want to get away from that. How do I get out from under this? We love our comfort way too much. There's no growth sitting on our couch. We grow as we get into the gym, and you and I sweat. If I get off work every day at 3, and I ride my bike to our clubhouse to work out, if that doesn't happen, I can have the biggest hopes and dreams that I'm going to build muscle and stay fit. 
It's not going to happen. And so we long for that comfort. We long to be fit with no, with no effort. We long for experience without experience. We long for growth without, without hard work. We want everything easy. And so when tough things come, we're rattled and we're trying to get out from under it. Look at the wilderness generation. What a wonderful example. Imagine what they just watched. They just watched God, the creator of the universe, just demoralize a country. With 10 plagues, he just rocked their world one after another. He just gathered 2 million people, walked them through the desert, split the Red Sea. They walked through it. They see an invading army just get tossed, and they're complaining. They're saying, well, when we were back in slavery, we ate well. We had meat, and we had fish, and we had onions and leeks and vegetables. Everything was so great. The trial just flipped their world right upside down. And everything they had just watched got thrown out the window. And they longed to go back. How many of you in here have done that? Me? I know I'm not alone. But when we understand, church, that these trials that will repetitively come, one after another, when you've come out the, the, the other end of one and you're like, another one comes. As these repetitive trials enter into our life, we can find hope in the fact, hear me, is that these are designed by God. And let me tell you who he is. He's the sovereign creator that the heaven and the earth can't contain him. He's all wise. He's perfect. He's everywhere all at once. He knows no sin. He tells the, the tide it can only go this far. He threw the stars in the sky. He's the one that's allowed this into your life. He knows no evil and he's wise. He's treating you like a son and like a daughter. And so when we come and we find ourselves under the weight of a very oppressive situation, we can find that breath of fresh air and who he is. That he's good and that he's faithful. He's gentle. He's long-suffering. He shows mercy. He forgives. This is who is allowed that situation into my life. So here's what we've started off with. Trials are inevitable. will be repetitive. But God has a purpose for them. Let's move on. For you know that the testing of your faith. Tim Keller in his book on marriage has a great analogy. And he talks about a bridge and that the engineers, when you look at this bridge from a distance, they want to check its soundness. Is it, is it, does it need repairs? Is it going to hold up? And if we looked at it from a distance, it looks good. It looks good. But when a truck drives across the top of that bridge, 
all of a sudden, the weight of that bridge, the weight of the truck on the bridge exposes the weaknesses. Right? As soon as that 18-wheel truck with all its weight drives on that bridge, all of a sudden you hear stuff falling off, and all those little tiny cracks have now been just completely expanded, opened. And what James is going to tell us is that trials test us like that. They, they press us and they expose us on what's really inside. And remember what I said earlier. It's not that God doesn't know. God already knows what you're made of. It's an exposing of your own heart that you see really where you're at. And so James says, you know. He's not saying facts, just simple facts. He's saying, you know through experience what I'm talking to you about. You know it. And all of us in this room know that hardships press us. And then as we stay in them, we get stronger. And so James is like, I'm not talking to you about things that you don't know. I'm explaining to the things that you already know. You know these things. Ancient Eastern cultures viewed hardships as a benefit because they realized it refines the character. People are made mature. People are refined through the process. But see, in the West, we have a much different perspective. See, we live in a secular world where we don't believe in a God, that everything that happens is meaningless, and so trials are meaningless, and they're to be avoided because they wreck my happiness. But see, James is telling us that, no, God does something different with trials. That God tests you to expose you, what we're going to see, to mature you, to refine you, to make you look more like Jesus Christ. And so as we're walking through this, do you see now the inevitable trials, but yet God has a purpose in it? That God's refining and shaping our character to it, through it. And so the word test Again, what I've just told you, it's an, it's an exposing, but it also refines, like gold. That when you stick it in the fire and it's pulled out, all the junk has been burned off of it. And the only thing is left is that pure gold. That's what's left. And so James is saying that the terrain, the tool of, 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 of trials, they test us. But in it, God's refining and he's exposing us. We have a prayer group at my house on Sunday nights. And we're going through this prayer book by a guy named John Onwu Chekwa. I think I got it right. But in this book, he tells a very tragic story. That six weeks before his, his own church plant, out of a moment's notice, his brother dropped dead. No call, no warning, no explanation wasn't a heart attack, no cancer that had been, you know, that they could foresee that this was coming. And one afternoon, his brother was gone. Actually, he wrote, just gone. And in that moment, his world just got flipped upside down. Imagine not being able to say goodbye to, most likely, his brother, his best friend. Never to have that moment to say, I'll see you in eternity, goodbye. It's, he's gone. He's gone. And in that moment, he talks about just getting alone with God and he unloaded everything that he had in his heart. He said he dropped his hatred and his disdain and his frustration. He laid it all out. But then in the same breath, he said, God, give me your grace. I need your grace. And there was this kind of back and forth in his heart, it seems like. 
But he said, every time that I came up for air, there God was. And he met me with his grace. He didn't give me the cold shoulder, which I deserved. He gave me his grace. He gave me his grace. But John, he writes that a few weeks after that, that another incident happened in his life that it just wrecked him. That he realized that his resolve for the Lord had dissipated in this situation. Before this, he was probably talking, I can do this, we're going to do this. And all of a sudden, his resolve was sapped by the punch of adversity. And he's unloading his heart and all of his pain. You see, church, the punch of adversity, the testing, the trials, it hit John, it hit C.S. Lewis, and it even hit Peter. Peter, I'll never deny you. Peter, ready to take up a sword and chop people's ears off. Is I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. In the adversity, his faith just dissolved. And honestly, church, it's so easy to look on them. Well, that can never happen to me. You don't know. It's so easy to talk on this side of, in our comfort situation, that I could withstand anything. Until all of a sudden, that hit hits you. And you see what you're really made of. And sometimes, people realize that they're not even saved. That their faith is not real. It was false. And so when you guys, when we understand that God puts us through adversity to shake us and to tumble us and to toss us, he's not there to crush you. He's not there to to take your faith. He's there to build your faith up. He's fanning the faith like a good father. Jewelers, when they have these jewels that need to be refined, they take these jewels and they throw it in a tumbler and they tumble it and tumble it and these jewels, they bang around and they knock into each other and then when he's done, he reaches in and he pulls this out and all the junk has been knocked off and he's got the real stuff. And so trials are like that. They knock us and they tumble us and they jerk us around but in the end when we come out, all the junk's been knocked off of us. And so James is painting this picture for us that trials are inevitable. Testing's gonna come and from depression to anxiety, from outward opposition, from mean people, all of it is going to come and hit us. But he's saying, it's good. It's a test. You're being refined. And the product is endurance. That word here, steadfastness, some of you guys might have the word endurance. It means to remain under, to stay under it. What's our tendency when trials come? We want to get out. I know I am. I think I'm the only one confessing sin this morning. <laughs> but we want to get out. We want to get the side door. We want to get back to a place of comfort. We, if we could rewind 10 minutes of our life to dodge this situation, we would. But James is like, stay under it because it's going to have its work. If we watch the Olympics, those weightlifters, they don't get the prize. They don't get the points until they what? They jerk that weight up. Then they got to get it up. And it's not enough just to get it up. They got to stay under it, right? And we're watching the Olympics. I'm sure you've seen that before. Here they are. They're just straining with everything they got just to hear that button, that noise that you hear in the Olympics. And what does he do? He tosses it. And that's what James is saying is stay under the weight of this situation. Don't get out. 
Because if you get out, you miss what God's trying to do. But if you stay in the situation and you let the weight of that press against you and you strain against it like the weightlifter, you're sweating, but you're in there. There's going to be a product at the end. And that's what James is telling you. You need to stay in the fight. Stay in it. Don't get out. And we're so tended to want to get out and waste the opportunity that God has given us to make us like Jesus. Let me tell you a reality about yourself. There's three views. There's who you think you are. There's who other people think you are. And there's God who knows who you are. God knows what's in your heart. He knows mine. And these trials expose real quick where we are. And I hope that no one in here is not real because there's that potential that you're not. And that as you find yourself in adversity, you're going to go. Jesus tells us in the parable, the sower, that when trials and tribulation came, choked off, gone, Jesus could draw the biggest crowd. But notice what Jesus did. When Jesus had a crowd of people around him, what did he do? He hit them with, boom, a hard blow. Right? And who went? The fake ones took off. And the only thing that was left was those who were committed to being discipled and following Jesus no matter where, no matter when, no matter what. The real was left. The fake took off. And so trials are going to do that. And please, I hope it's no one in here. But they're also going to expose our immaturities. As we find ourselves pressed, we're going to find out where we lack maturity. We're going to be exposed real quick. When instead of going to God in prayer, we're calling somebody else. Like, hey, man, this... this We're going to find out really quick, church, what we're really made of. Enduring isn't passive. There's too much passive Christianity in our lives. We think that we can just kind of hang out and things, as time goes on, that I'll just naturally get matured. Just because I've been a believer for 15 years, that that is going to equate to maturity. It doesn't. Maturity happens through endurance. Maturity happens through being pressed through trials. And as you stay under these things and these things work in your life, that you find yourself rising or coming to a place of deeper maturity. And so if we think that if we can just hang on to the life raft and allow the tide to push us around, that's not what James is talking about. He's talking about an active perseverance where we're staying under and we're pressing into the situation and the way that God has called us to press in. That's what James is telling these people in their situation. And he's telling you and I in the same thing, in the same situation, press in, stay under, and push, press in. Are you wore out this morning? Maybe that you've suffered one trial after the next and you're like, I'm so tired. I'm wore out. That situation was too hard for me to handle. It was too much. Let me encourage you through God's word this morning. Jesus says that the smoking flask, that wick that's just barely just smoking, 
that reed that's just bending, that's bruised. You know what he says? He's not going to break it. He's not going to snuff it out. He's going to fan it in. He's going to continue to blow on it until you come back to maturity. So if you feel broken today, you're exhausted and you're tired, I get it. But draw on the promises of God in Christ Jesus that he's not going to let you go. The great shepherd says that he holds us in his hands and he loses none of us. In John 17, our high priest, he prayed for us that we wouldn't go. In Ephesians, Paul says that we're guaranteed our inheritance because we have the deposit of the Holy Spirit. And then he says in Corinthians that he will never tempt us beyond what we're able. Church, if you're real, you're not going to go anywhere. He's going to see you through it. You have to stay under the weight of the situation until he brings you out to the other side. Don't get out. Stay under it. As hard as it is, stay under it and press, 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 press into him. And I don't know when it's going to end for you. I don't know. I hope soon. But no matter how long it lasts, be confident that he's brought it in. He's got it under control. He's only going to keep you as long as you need to be there. So continue to stay under and let it have its work in you. So we arrive at the goal of trials. This is the climax of what he's talking about. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. Maturity is Christ-likeness. Complete means that you're sound. And so here's where God is intending to this situation is to bring you to a place of soundness, a place of maturity. So you're lacking spiritually in nothing. And so doesn't that drive against our own perspective? In America, we think that lacking in nothing is having all these personal goods and a, and a good bank account. But lacking nothing from a biblical perspective is maturity, soundness, Christ-likeness. That's the goal. If you want to know what God's will for your life today, it's your sanctification. That's what God wants to do in your life today is make you more like Jesus Christ. Hebrews 6 tells us to leave the elementary things and go on into maturity. Paul said, I labor, persecution, jail, stoning to present the church mature. In Ephesians, he's right that as a body, that unity, the unity that we have as a body, that all of us are growing up together to reach maturity. That's God's will for your life, and trials is one of the things that he uses to test, to bring you to a place of maturity. Charles Spurgeon said, they who dive in the sea of affliction bring up rare pearls. And see, only trials can plunge us deep into the ocean and in that situation is we respond the way that God's called us to respond. That you and I are brought back and we have this gem in our hand. But so often, church, we want that gem without the affliction. We want the maturity 
without the suffering. We want the soundness without the pressing. But church, we have to dive deep into the sea of affliction so you and I can bring up rare pearls, not only for myself, but for God's people as well too. See, we're so easy to find ourselves wasting our suffering. And if I can encourage you today, don't waste this opportunity that you have in suffering. Because when you realize, again, that God has allowed this into your life and he's refining, he's maturing you, don't waste the opportunity. Stay under it because you're gonna wanna jump out. You're gonna wanna get out. And if you belong to him, he's gonna bring you right back in. So you might as well do what he's called you to do. But don't waste that opportunity to suffer, to be made into the image of Christ. Throw your comforts away if need be. Because in that moment, church, we're going to learn how to serve others. We're going to be able to come along somebody that's going through a difficult situation and know how what we've been taught in that moment. Then we're going to say, I know what you're going through. I've been through that. And this is what God taught me through that. So stay under it and let it have its way. And then driving back up to verse two, count it all joy. When you and I understand that God is shaping and molding us, that we can have genuine joy. And consider is a, is a command, it's an imperative. God's saying to have joy in the moment. He's not suggesting something, he's telling them this is a command. And so what God commands, God provides. And so joy isn't some fleeting feeling that I get when my situation good. Joy is a reality in my situation. Why? Because it's built on the certainty and the surety of the promises of God in Christ Jesus that I know that I can have genuine joy as I rest on God's promises. My situation around me isn't going to knock me back and forth and tell me how I should feel and whatnot. No, God's promises give me joy. And so I can faithfully persevere in joy. And please don't hear me mitigate your trials. James isn't doing that either. Because I know in this room that people have experienced some very low, painful, difficult situations. And so we're not just talking about a jam finger, a paper cut. We're talking about serious life issues, lost children, bankruptcy, family strife, rebellious kids, opposition from people that don't like you. All of those things that wound us and cut us deep that are very painful. James isn't making light of it. But again, church, we can rejoice when we know where these things have come from, that God's shaping us into the image of Jesus Christ and that he'll only keep us under it as long as he has set the time frame for us. And as we find him 
and we grow in him. And we come out the other end and we realize that he grew me in this. And then it'll be down for another one. But each time he takes you under, the endurance has been established and you keep enduring and you gain more endurance. And so church, we shouldn't lose hope. We have so much hope. And that's what James is telling these people. It's like, you guys rejoice in all of this. Rejoice in it all. Because God's refining and shaping your character. And we close with this. John Onwuchekwa. He shared his painful story about the loss of his brother and how wounded, how that wound cut so deep. And he realized his faith. But you know what he said? He said, I learned that prayer is like breathing. He said, all the formality was gone. Because in that moment, I went after God and I grabbed God like Jacob did and I wrestled. I'm in despair. I'm in pain. I need you. He learned what it was to commune with God. And so he said, that that situation was so hard, but on the other end, there was such a benefit to it that I learned what it meant to actually commune with God. All of the formality, all the prescribed prayers, all of it just went right out the window. And it's like, I need you. And John said, I learned that prayer is like breathing. And so out the other end, John took away a valuable lesson that I'm sure benefited him for the rest of his life and that congregation he was about to lead. And so it's a perfect example, church, that trials are going to push us. But if we stay in it and we stay under it and we allow it to have its work in us, we're going to come out the other end looking more like Jesus Christ. And again, this isn't strange to just John. It's something that you and I can all relate to. Throughout church history, you see missionaries giving their life for the gospel. Families turned upside down through divorce, through rebellious children. The list could go on and on. It happens to Christians too. But if we stay under it, church, and we allow this stuff to hit us, but we stay under it and it turns in us and it shapes us, we're going to come out the end. We're going to have something not only for ourselves, but for the church. We're going to have a gift for the church. But how you respond is key. Do you find yourself complaining? Do you find yourself trying to find that eject cord? Do you find yourself running to everybody else instead of God and his word and then to somebody else? We just want to call and barf up our problems all of the time on people. But go to God in prayer. Seek him. Find him. Commune with him. Know what it means to find God through communion through his word. Know how to find him. As you stay under it, let endurance have its work. Stay under it. So let me close with this. If you're in this room this morning and you're tired... Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. He knows what it is to be abandoned by his friends. He knows what it is to suffer. He knows all of the hardship. You guys can't even imagine the wrath of God was poured out on him on the cross. He's in the garden of Gethsemane and he's sweating drops of blood and he said, take this, take this, but not my will, but your will be done. And moments later, the answer came. The soldiers came to take him. The answer was no. And what did Jesus do? He stayed under it. 
And he didn't sin and he went to the cross and he paid the penalty and he rose again from the grave. And so church, we have that promise in Christ Jesus and we just grab a hold of him by faith. He's gonna see us through. He's already said, I'm not gonna lose you. And if we hang on to him by faith and we go through and we come out the other end, we're gonna be like gold. And we're gonna look like Jesus. So if you found yourself this morning in a trial and you know that you've biffed it, I have too. I've complained. I've made those obnoxious phone calls. Ah! But you know what? There's forgiveness in the gospel. We're not saved by the gospel. We're saved and we're sanctified and we're going to go to heaven by the gospel. We never outgrow the gospel. We grow into the gospel. So we don't go back to the cross, church. The cross is going with us all the way along the way. So if you've biffed it, God's merciful and he'll forgive you have hope, grab it by faith. Let's pray. Father, you're so good to us. And God, I pray that you would shape us and you would allow us to be tried and to be pressed no matter how hard it is, God that you'd make us like Jesus Christ at all costs. And God, let that be that, 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 that's our desire as well too. God, we're so quick to complain. We're so quick to doubt what you've done. But God, I pray today that we as a body of Christ would just come under what it is that you're teaching us, that we would respond in obedience, and that God, that we would come out the other end looking like Christ and we would be rejoicing. In Jesus' name, amen.